walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? The hardest part of the ring is here, and well, man, folks. What are you guys? You're, you're, I mean, we're all quarantined, and uh, you know, I know some of you listening. You're probably uh, under, uh, you, you know, this COVID, um, all of this stuff going on in the world. You might be a little uh, locked down, huh? <laughs> TNA lockdown. Two thousand five is the pay-per-view we will be <laughs> reviewing today and great googly moogly what an what a what a notorious show how about i put it that way huh i mean i should have listened to don west in the build-up the impact zone <laughs> it's locked down oh we, ooh, nobody's getting in nobody's getting out <laughs> my, my professor you know his whole thing right god it really hurts your chest when you do that for a long time doesn't it um tna lockdown 2005 it is the first ever lockdown pay-per-view that tna ever did uh really one of the first like I guess it's mainstream, right? We can consider this mainstream-ish, right? We had we had we had uh, Jeff Hammond, the, the 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 NASCAR guy on the pay per view, so we're mainstream, right? What do you think, Rock? What do you think? Yeah. So yeah, they're pretty mainstream. So this is really one of the first big time gimmick pay per views that we uh, saw here. At least in the United States. I don't know what they do in Japan. They do a lot of funky shit over there with their piranhas and whatnot. But before we had Hell in a Cell, before we had Elimination Chamber and uh, the pay-per-views, of course, I'm speaking of. Before we had, you know, Fatal 4-Way, Breaking Point, Great Balls of Fire. We had Lockdown. And uh, we'll touch on it in the podcast. But originally, I think like the overarching theme here is how... They had no idea what they were doing. I mean, they were changing things on the fly, left and right. I mean, you watch the impact before this pay-per-view. They have almost a completely different card than what ends up happening. And 
you know, originally it was just going to be two cage matches, but then they decided, hey, fuck it, let's make them all cage matches. And then that was a precedent that they would set and then they would carry forward for years to come. And Lockdown would become one day one of their marquee pay-per-views. But, uh, man, it takes uh, some trial and error, let's just say. They did not hit it out of the park on their first their first shot, which is fine. You know, they're trying it out. They're trying different things. Every match is a cage match. How, how do you even execute that? How do you, how do you structure an entire three hour pay-per-view like that? Right. It's tough. And, uh, you know, one may argue you don't need to do that. (laughs) We have the UFC for that. Okay. Um, but they did what they did and you know, Hey, you think of lockdown 2005, you think of two, one of two things. Either think of that classic match between AJ Styles and Abyss in the main event, or you think about a certain person breaking his leg and dying because of this pay-per-view. So really just setting the tone for what you're about to listen to. But a lot of fun shenanigans, as always, with these TNA reviews. And for that, who better, who better than Kenny from the A Kenny for Your Thoughts podcast. Returning to the show, you may remember him from uh, our uh, King of the Ring 2001 episode or our SummerSlam 1994 episode. And now he's back to talk about fucking Elix Skipper. So, <laughs> but yeah, you can find Kenny on his podcast. That, that's, a, once again, A Kenny for Your Thoughts. Uh, he does live shows on YouTube, usually on Friday evenings. Um, we also puts out an audio version, uh, wherever you get your podcasts and you can always watch it on YouTube whenever you so get to it. Really, really fun podcast. The live chat in particular is just a hilarious hang. You know what I mean? It's not like you're doing anything on Friday nights anyways. So don't pretend like you don't have the time. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, for some of you, uh, you follow him on Instagram and Twitter at AKFYT wrestling. Check him out. Uh, after this, not yet. Finish this first, and uh, yeah, let's 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 close the doors, everybody. Let's 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 lock down. <laughs> nobody in, nobody out. <laughs> We're locked down. Somebody died on this show. TNA lockdown 2005 with myself and Kenny from the uh, Kenny for Your Thoughts podcast. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so he looks skipper, right? He looks skipper's motherfucking <laughs> ass. So I didn't realize that there's like, uh, wait, hold on. Did you hear that? <laughs> Should I drop my green screen and show the closet doors because it'll kind of fit your aesthetic? There, yeah, <laughs> I'm going for the closet aesthetic. Yes, sorry, I couldn't I'm hear you. Also, the ball part. I think it fits you because you have two doors too. All right. There we go. We can just call this the Two Doors podcast. Two Doors Down. Be like, um, this is uh, <laughs> this is Two Knobs, Three Doors with Cal Bird and Kenny Majid. <laughs> Kenny G. So he said, Majid. That's my last name for real. Oh yeah. Your your shoot last name. That is, that is shoot, brother. Man, a little peek behind the curtain back there. I always wondered what was behind that uh that logo yours. That's where I my sexuality stayed for a couple of years here. There it is. Right. He's gay, folks. He's gay. I'm recording, by the way. 
<laughs> I feel like I always need to make sure you understand. <laughs> it, it's always funny because it's not like anything changes about me when you say yeah. that. But it's still no, like yeah. it still embarrasses me when you do say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, last time I hit record right as you said, like something about baby batter on my face. It's just <laughs> this is meant to be. It's just that's just how we are. It is. But uh, speaking of baby batter, <laughs> did you batter all over yourself watching uh, some TNA lockdown? Yeah, I had to separate this event into two days because I, I forgot that like I did, too. Yeah, I, I forgot that like pay-per-views used to be like a legit three hours. I feel like they've kind of shortened yeah. a little bit in the pandemic era, and mm-hmm. it took me a little bit to watch. Um, once I got to Elix Skipper, full disclosure, um, finished his match and, and just went right to bed that night. So You can't get higher than that, though, so you got to end on a high note. Yeah. Understand. Question. So my audio looks way higher than yours, just in case this... Can you hear me okay? I totally can, but I I, I've noticed sure that not... before. I think it's okay. it should be fine. I don't know if that's uh okay. I mean, I'm always smaller than you, so I, we yes. should be used to that. Right. I have Our more penises. beats than 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 you. Yeah, yeah. You beat more than me. I mean, that's mm-hmm. probably absolutely you know, whatever whatever flex you got to flex, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, lockdown 2000. So you you watch TNA pretty regularly, right? I did. Uh, a lot of people, it's funny, I think a lot of my friends, they give me shit. They're like, oh, you know, you're a WWE mark. I'm like, I've never been a WWE mark. Like, I, I've always watched the alternatives. Big ECW fan. And then obviously when WCW closed down, uh, I was watching a lot of TNA. I wanted it to succeed. I wanted it to be what AEW is uh, currently, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we start a lot of starts and stops in TNA. It was because like. I started this watch through like at the end of 2004 is which is when they started doing these three hour pay-per-views and they started off hot because they started off with that, um, that six sides of steel with Elix Skipper walking the, the cage. And that was like, that, that was a, it was the pay-per-view was called turning point. So I hate to say that it was a turning point for them, but it really was. It, it was. And they showed that clip on everything from there on yeah, out like that was still do. if there's one clip that i think synonymous with tna it's like the aj styles flipping onto christopher daniels and samoa joe and then the elix skipper walk in the cage yeah like those are those are two clips right up there yeah for sure and something i didn't realize while watching this is this is the first ever lockdown they did yeah and you got to think a lot of that is trying to capitalize off of that cage match that put them on another level and because originally they were advertising it like there's just going to be two cage matches, but then they just said, fuck it. Let's make them all put everybody in a cage. I, I was <laughs> going to ask you about that, actually, because I was going to say, I know this was the first lockdown event, but do you think it was uh, just uh, the schematics of it all? It, was it because they were like, we can't break this fucking cage down, you know, in between? Because I've been at yeah. I've been to TNA events where they've had a cage match. And they literally, you know, especially during the live Monday shows in 2010, they had to break mm-hmm. down the cage and it took like 20 minutes for them to set back up. I believe it. They only did yeah. it during taped episodes. So, yeah, yeah, because the turning point one was the main event. So it was the last match. And I'm, I can't really think of any cage matches on the top of my head that were like in the middle of the show. So that's very possible. Could have also been like they couldn't decide which match deserved a cage or whatever. But whatever the case is, they, they stuck with it. And um, they found some ways to make them different. Uh, the show is different. If, if, there's, different. if there's one one word for this it, this is this is the first like themed 
pay-per-view I can really think of in, in this sense where like WWE pretty much uh, get shit for doing these type of things where like they've ha- held in a cell pay-per-view and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, this was a really popular event, like lockdown, like every match was going to be in a cage. Uh, I think it set the precedent. I think they were ahead of their time. You know, mm-hmm. they, they said, look, we're going to have a pay-per-view with cage matches only. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely one of their staple uh, pay-per-views going forward because bound for glory is kind of like their WrestleMania slam anniversary is kind of like their summer slam. And this is kind of like a Royal rumble, I guess if it's all centered around a gimmick. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so very interesting to see their first go around. Um, but one thing that TNA always did great was their intro video packages. They yep. I don't think they had the uh, the guy that just recently passed away that talks yeah. like this. Cross the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had like uh, some woman that sounds like any like Disney villain, like uh, being the voice of the cage, like if these walls could talk, they would scream and blood. We should have done an intro for this podcast. Be like, it's not too late. Uh, hold on, hold Kyle on. Kyle Bird enters, <clears throat> enters the lockdown cage with Kenny Majid. Who will survive by the end? Will they be attracted to each other? <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. All right, let's get on with it. Okay. <laughs> shit all right what an intro <laughs> this is gonna ruin my podcast having this absolutely here but uh <laughs> that's great i i love this program already i hate it i hate it so lockdown starts with uh a staff infection so kevin nash who was slotted to be in one of the main events great opener <laughs> that's that's how you start off hot showing off uh, showing off some shin oh yes <laughs> Not 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 Nakamura, but but Nash. <laughs> and then um yeah, it's like I said, it's the first lockdown, so they're really like, We're all locked in, and the cameramen have like oh, helmets. So cheesy. Oh. Yeah, when the cameraman comes in with like the sparring gear and he's like sitting there, yeah, he walks in and then and they're all like concerned for his safety. They're talking about locking down the the impact zone so nobody can get in or out. And- uh-huh. Thousands were kept out, I heard. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, they, they really went for this, like this theme. I get it. But at the same time, I was like, you know, it's just campy, but it's cool. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I like them trying to make the pay-per-view different than the TV show because it's exactly. obviously all in the same arena or whatever, whatever you want to call it, venue. Um, so I like how they're kind of di- trying to differentiate this from their weekly impacts. But uh, man, this first match. Oh, oof. This, this is... Uh, is- this is a rough one in hindsight. Very much uh, so. Yeah. yeah. Steel cage. Well, okay. So they're all steel cage matches. Tag team match. We have Apollo and Sonny Siaki. The two uh, Puerto Ricans, are they? Versus uh, Chris should we, Candido. Should, should we explain that joke that I like? get Apollo and Sonny Siaki <laughs> confused? Even though one is Puerto Rican and one is like Samoan. And it's funny because uh, I think they're like theme musics are like switched. Like the Samoan has like a George Lopez theme song. Right, and then so so it's not my fault. TNA kind of presented this. I mean, and they come yeah. out looking like twins. They do. Like I watched this back, and I went, okay, so that's why I used to get confused between them because they they had a very similar build. Yeah, I mean they're they're partners for a reason. You got and, think that was and the fun logic. fact, right? Because I didn't like click this in my head until I watched this event. So I kind of appreciate you uh, letting me watch this. Um, it's kind of come full circle with Apollo because I've actually commentated for his son here in Florida. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it clicked. I'm like, his name's Apollo Jr. So I was, uh, sure enough, I Googled him 
and it's yeah. Apollo Sun, of course. That's awesome. And I'm like, you know, my TNA uh, confusing Puerto Ricans and Samoans has come full circle. Well, hopefully Junior doesn't get wind of that because he's going to be pretty upsetty spaghetti, I think. He is. He is. <laughs> so we have the two, uh, those two guys versus Chris Candido and Lance Hoyt, a.k.a. Lance Archer. And uh, man, yeah, the yeah, I, I can't even joke about this one. The, the elephant in the room here. So I didn't realize. So I knew he broke his leg. Chris Candido did in this match. I didn't know how. I didn't know when. I, I assumed it was like he like fell off the cage or some crazy oh. spot like that. But it's literally within the first like maybe fifteen 30 seconds. Second, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say within thirty seconds and a drop kick. He just fell wrong. That's that's literally what it amounted to. He. I don't know if it was the weight of. Uh, Sonny Siaki or if it's just an awkward angle, but you know, obviously we'll we'll get into it, but the fact that like he wasn't even supposed to be in this match, this got changed last minute. Yeah. Um from what I hear, it was like literally supposed to be, I think was it Apollo versus Lance Hoyt? Something and like then that, yeah. Last minute they added they made it a tag team match. So it's kind of like one of those things where you go, I wish I could get that one back. You know? Yeah. Because it was yeah. like right on as they went on air, they decided to change it, I guess. From what yeah. I hear. There, there was a, a lot of that during the show, but what even makes this crazier is that the storyline. So Chris Candido is managing the naturals. Right. And the, the week. So two weeks previous to this, Chris Candido got attacked backstage by Kevin Nash. So the week after that, Chris Candido came out like in a wheelchair. He had his, he had his arm in a sling. He had a cast like his really ham like a, a neck brace. Kind of like, think like Johnny Gargano uh, on NXT the other like week. Literally where he was just exactly. hamming it up, you know, yeah. like. And it's, saying, oh, yeah. I'm injured, but he wasn't, you know, the exact same scenario because he ended up like uh, helping out the naturals win a match showing that he's not injured at all. So yeah. the whole storyline is how, oh, man, Chris Candido, he's he's faking these injuries. What a scumbag. <laughs> and they yeah. just as they're literally the commentators are talking about that. And while they are talking about that, he breaks his leg. <laughs> so it's yeah. like and, and nobody knows what's going on. Like you can tell, like the, the temperament of the room, which, first of all, shout out to to Don West, because. I think he gets shit, but I think he's mm-hmm. like probably one of the reasons like I got really excited for TNA during this he's time great. period. Yeah. Um, I think that we, you know, we were so used to like JR and 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 stuff like that that we didn't appreciate Don West. But like if you compare Don West to like current uh commentators, mm-hmm. um Don West is like really excited, really puts stuff over. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he was so excited for this match and stuff that you almost didn't pay attention to the fact that Chris Candido broke his leg. Yeah. Um, but then they show the replays and uh, brutal. Oh, yeah. It's like Joe Theismann esque. I think they just and they say it. that. Yeah. Yeah. They say, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Don but West. Anyway. I mean, he did a good job at kind of like that's the danger of the lockdown. Like they're kind of like putting over putting over the, the gimmick, which they're like 30 seconds into the pay-per-view, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like really think of like, is this a cursed theme right here? Because yeah, 30 seconds into this is when Chris uh, Candido breaks his leg. Yeah, I literally missed it. I like looked at my phone or something for a second. Me too. And then I looked up and Chris Candido is like in the corner on the ground. I was like, that's kind of a weird thing for him to be so yeah. early. And I don't know about you, but I think, you know, what it was was I was prepared for the leg break and I knew it would yeah. happen in this match. So I almost like was looking at my phone kind of like mentally preparing. And then I look up and it happened already. And I was like, I didn't recall like, you know, when I saw it live that it happened that quickly. Yeah, you know, so it was it caught me off guard. I had to go back and be like, oh, my God, like I was like two moves in. Yeah. But um, yeah. And I mean, if for anybody that isn't aware, 
uh, Chris Candido ends up having surgery on this leg. And yeah. correct me if I'm missing anything, but he essentially yep. kind of gets a gets a blood clot at some point and uh, contracts some pneumonia, I believe. Yes, and ends up passing away within like a month or so after this. I yeah, believe, that right? was it. Was reported that was a, a blood clot that did it, but I think his brother, as of late, has said it was specifically the pneumonia that killed him. Right. Um, because at the time it was just reported he got a blood clot that went to his lungs and he died, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, actually, fun. I don't want to say fun fact. <laughs> uh, I was sick from school around this time period, and I remember this because this is one of those moments where, like, I don't know, you feel like something put you in the situation to understand something and I, I never could explain it. So it was the first time I'm, I think I'm sharing this story, but um, not to sound dramatic. I was watching. Um, oh my God. What are those movies with uh, Charles Bronson? Death Wish. I'm Death Wish. Sure. Yeah. So I was watching Death Wish three and uh, I was sick from, from school. Maybe it was like a Wednesday or a Tuesday to make a long story short. The lady in the hospital, um, she gets beat up by a bunch of thugs. She's in the hospital. And then all of a sudden he goes back to visit her and she's dead. And he's like, what happened? And they're like, oh, leg break infection or something. And then it mm -hmm. got into her lungs. She died of a blood clot. And I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't know that shit happens. Finish watching that movie, go online and find out Chris Candido died of that really? same thing. And I remember thinking like, I wouldn't even known this if I wasn't home from school. Mm -hmm. um it's the same exact scenario it, i had literally just gone through the trauma of like wow holy shit that is a scary situation to think about and then chris candido passed away from it in real life so weird just weird stuff man man yeah it's crazy how these things just kind of come out of nowhere um so yeah starting the show off on a, on a high note is, is yeah. basically what we're saying right. <laughs> yeah unfortunately you know we knew we had to talk about the subject and we knew this would be a we'll rough get it one, out of the way getting it out of the way let's get it out of the way uh it is it is what happened you know let's talk about something more fun what do you think about the cameraman in the ring <laughs> did you notice did you even notice that uh you're talking about just the wackiness of it all or the no like this it was just this opening match the cameraman was okay. in the ring like not, so, not 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 shooting through the hole like in the ring standing there yeah yeah like so right i i knew that but that goes back to that like with the one wearing the helmet and all that that wacky stuff so i noticed it yeah. but uh yeah i think i think it got to be honest i got taken out of this match because of the leg break and i remembered obviously what happened after this yeah so it took me out watching rewatching it uh so mm -hmm. i didn't really pay attention well um, i bring that up because I, I wonder if they like they saw chris candido break his leg and thought maybe like the clunkiness, like how how full the ring was. Maybe they were like, "Hey, let's get the cameraman out of there and try to open up the space." Maybe maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I thought I found it was weird that they had it in the first match, but not the rest of the matches. You know, it's it's a good point. I mean, they did have trouble kind of rolling Chris Candido out of the ring too. Yeah. Um. So it could be that uh, the cameraman was blocking the opening. Uh. So they were mm. probably like, you know, we couldn't been. get Candido out, and we can't just have this camera guy walk out you know mm -hmm. with so they're like just get him out of the way yeah um but also I, I feel like a lot of the other matches um didn't need the cameraman in the ring either so i, I don't know no. i don't know it, it was a weird decision that they kind of just like pulled him uh right after that yeah yeah it definitely caught my eye but i mean the rest of the match i mean it was what it was i honestly was kind of impressed how the, the three guys handled it because obviously they had to flip the whole script with yeah. uh, candido out but I mean, Apollo, Sonny Siaki, I mean, I guess they're not like particularly young. I don't know what their ages were 
or how experienced I mean, they, they were, were like in early 30s I'm, I'm assuming here yeah i mean they're younger in the wrestling business but like kudos to uh you know lance hoyt especially yeah exactly. you know lance archer as we know him now because like he didn't miss a beat i was looking for it on his face and too, uh, yeah. he didn't he didn't even go in and like you know you look for those things sunny siaki very obviously went holy shit like what happened Mm-hmm. But Lance Hoyt just gets in the ring and he just is cool, calm, collected. He just starts looking at Sonny Siaki, says, let's go kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I was almost expecting him to cover his mouth and be like, what the fuck do we do? Kind of like, and like yeah. call some call some spots or do something like. But no, he was cool hand Luke in the situation. So weird to yeah. see. Um, he had the uh, the wherewithal, like veteran uh, wherewithal here, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think all three of these guys did, because if if nothing else, they're all very new to the this this stage of pay-per-view. Right. And it, they didn't really miss a beat at all. It definitely put them in a weird situation where you have the two baby faces in a handicap match against one one heel. Yeah. Like, how do you do that type of match, you know? But luckily, Lance mm-hmm. Hoyt's like a seven-foot bastard, you know what I mean? Yeah, so at least they can exactly. be like, they can kind of make it work. But yeah, like you said, kudos to them. New concept, new uh, cage match, leg break within 30 seconds, and they, they did a hell of a job. Yeah, exactly. And they just pretty much beat on Lance Hoyt until the finish which i think is a sensible ending given the circumstances they did good uh with the naturals uh coming in i feel like Mm -hmm. you know maybe the ending was going to be something like that where the naturals snuck their way in and helped candido and he faked an injury something like that Mm -hmm. and that could probably be why they didn't catch it at first maybe candido was about to fake an injury and stuff and they're like why is he going for the spot so soon that's very possible you know yeah but uh they did well the naturals come in after the match and basically attack Lance Hoyt. So I don't know. I can't remember if this is like a babyface turn for Lance Hoyt at this point. He's like already getting over pretty organically because I, I noticed a lot of Lance Hoyt signs in the crowd. I don't know if that's like an ironic thing or if people actually like him. No, but. he during this time he was doing like uh, he was getting over organically because remember he was yeah. paired with Kid Cash. And mm-hmm. then he started kind of being the standout of the group. Remember, he was called Dallas. For right? sure. And then they uh, they have him as Lance Hoyt. And then shortly there, uh, thereafter, when he turns babyface, the crowd literally starts chanting Hoyt, Hoyt, Hoyt with his theme song. So it was definitely not yeah. just to take the piss out of him. Like they, he was actually getting over. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and big things. It's, it's it's amazing that it took him so long to really hit with the American audience, at least. But he's there now. That's why WWE that's hired him, though, at, in 2009, because he was over in TNA and they thought, it yeah. would, uh, you know, it would work. And then they tried to, it's kind of like one of those, you know, and I'm just not going to say WWE does everything right, but they're like, cut your hair, shave your beard. Mm-hmm. Of course he wasn't going to get yeah. over it because they wanted, we wanted basically what he is now. Yeah, Let they did what they did with AC3 and they pretty much stripped him of everything that made him awesome in he, TNA. To me, it was even worse though, because they didn't tell EC3, shave your head and then grow a beard or something. You know what well, I mean? They told they, him to they not changed. talk. They told a right. promo guy to not talk at all. It's true. It's true. It's like telling The Rock not to talk. Not to say EC3 exactly. is The Rock, but, you know, you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, go look up uh, Vance Archer, ECW, and you'll see what I'm talking about. You're not going to find much, but you'll find some stuff. But what you'll find. Oh, man. <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. But speaking of great stuff, who doggy? We have a two out of three falls Prince of Darkness death match. I got I got nothing to say to that. <laughs> it's so so it's Bobby Roode of Team Canada versus Dustin Rhodes, which looking at that with 2021 lenses is pretty crazy to see. Right. Um, but so the name of the match 
it, it, it has like such like a severity to it. Like it sounds like somebody's gonna obviously gonna die or get brutally injured. So what it amounts to, it's a two out of three falls match. It's a regular two out of three falls match. Right. But I should I should have brought a, a hood. Um, the third fall is uh, if there is a third fall, you have to put a, a hood on. Not a hood. I'm sorry. A um, a pr- no, oh, no, Prince of Prince good. of Darkness hood. Prince of Darkness yeah, hood. It was a hood. I, yeah. I don't. I had to make sure I had the the name. It's not a hood. It's a Prince of Darkness hood. I apologize. And uh, so yeah, that's <laughs> this match is just so random because like I watched all the impacts leading up to this show, and the build up, the premise to the storyline is Texas versus Canada. That's literally it. Very and, old and um, very old school. And um, this is really. Robert Roode's or Bobby Roode at the time, his first like big singles match, at least yeah. that I can remember, um, versus Dustin Rhodes. And uh, so, yeah, two out of three falls match. The uh, first fall comes within like the first couple seconds. Like Bobby Roode just rolls Dustin up, puts his foot on the ropes for a three count. The ref, the bell, whoever's ringing the bell, the crowd, I don't think anybody even realized it at the time. The commentary was even pretty confused whether or not it was a three count or not. Did you catch so, that? I did. And and two out of three falls matches are always that way because as someone, yeah. and, and I didn't realize this until like I worked for a wrestling promotion and literally they're telling Brandon next to me, uh, Brandon's my co-host on, on my podcast. If anyone doesn't know, um, they're telling me, you know, ring the bell when, when the, the first fall happens. So we're sitting there, the first fall kind of happens, but it happens so quickly and out of nowhere, just like in this match, that mm-hmm. I'm like nudging Brandon, like ring the effing bell, like, and he goes, "Oh shit!" And then she starts knocking the bell. But when you not when you hit the bell, people think the match is over now. So yeah. they start. So it, it just creates a confusion, and I never realized that about two out of three falls until we had to go through one. Um, right. So I understood what happened here. Is what I'm trying to say. I felt for them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, so Bobby Roode's up one to nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. Dustin. Ends up uh, tying it up with a top rope bulldog for a one, two, three, which brings it to the dreaded <laughs> third fall. So they both put on the hoods like uh, I don't know how they even breathed in those things. It was like literally like a pillowcase just wrapped around. Yeah. And if anybody if there's an old school fan listening right now, it's like just remember WrestleMania seven, you know, uh, Rick, the model Martell. Um, I don't remember who was in that match. Jake the Snake Roberts, Jake the Snake mm-hmm. Roberts, and, and Rick yeah, the Model yeah. Martel. Uh, it's literally that, but very rushed because we had to have basically had two matches before then, and then yeah. this comes out of nowhere, and hijinks ensue. It's uh, <laughs> all of it is out of nowhere, and uh, hijinks ensues for sure. So they both have hoods on; they're both blind, and uh, Dustin Rhodes, who's the babyface here, is trying to do the thing where he's like pointing, like trying to get the crowd to like say yes or yeah. trying to cheer when he's pointing yep. at but they're like not really with him um at least not like to a, a large degree well, uh, well also remember again and this is why i'm saying there's just too much going on here there's a freaking cage it's a visual impairment in itself yeah. when you're in the crowd so if dustin's sitting there going like you know trying to point and and, and stuff the yeah. fans at a certain level might not be able to see exactly what he's doing mm-hmm so I, I mean, think it's pretty consistent yeah. with the whole show, really, because the crowd wasn't even particularly hot for a lot of the show. So I'm wondering if that was like a a thing that was in their way. 
throughout the whole show, really. This, the six-sided ring with the cage is what did it, right? A four-sided is already um, bad enough, but you have more sides and you got more layers to it, you know, going. It's hard to see. It's just hard to yeah. see. I've been in the impact zone when they've had a cage match, is my point. And it's not the, you know, most visible thing in the world. Right. Yeah, I could have played into it, too. Um. So, yeah, the crowd, yeah, the crowd's confused about everything that's going on in this yeah. match. They can barely see anything. I don't even know if they know what the stipulation is, really. That's what it was. The crowd was the Prince of Darkness in this match. There it is. See, it's just too layered for me to understand. Right. You got to understand. Level thinking. Right. 2005 TNA. There's just a lot of layers to this onion. There. That was onion. If nothing else. <laughs> Made me cry. So Scott Demore throws in a steel chair over the cage so that uh, Bobby Roode can theoretically grab the chair and hit Dustin with it. Um, but then he he also throws in the uh, the hockey stick wrapped in with the Canadian flag, right? Because of course, Canada. Because why not? Exactly. And uh, Bobby Roode grabs it, but Scott Demore ends up somehow getting into the ring. And Roode, because he's visually impaired, hits Scott Demore. Oh, Oh, how the turns have tabled. And that's the only <laughs> the first time that will happen in this show. So Bobby Roode hits Scott Demore with a Canadian flag wrapped hockey stick. Dustin grabs the chair and is finally they bump into each other. Dustin and Bobby Roode do. And uh, Dustin hits Roode in, in the head with a chair for the win. And yeah, any other thoughts on the Prince of Darkness deathmatch? Two out of three falls cage match. For not being able to see Dustin Rhodes hits a perfect chair shot to the head that's you know ballsy I mean? you know so uh he hits a picture perfect uh you know chair shot to the head uh it was actually it to me this part saved it because it was so cheesy that it worked yeah and uh bobby Roode hitting scott demore which scott demore was like for two years had been such a shitty you know crappy heel manager you know what i mean in the sense of the fans mm-hmm. hated him so to get to get a little comeuppance like this was was cool um and yeah, I and kudos to Bobby Roode, man. It's not to say he slowed down. Obviously, the man's in his early forties now, but I didn't re- I didn't remember that the guy could move the way he did in this match. He was so fluid yeah. in this match, and I was like, wow, like it's so f- weird to see people, you know, before they kind of become seasoned, and mm-hmm. they're just like his engine. He's, he's still revving. moving around, still moving Absolutely. around, really good. People forget how long he's been in the game. Right. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like this is 05 and he still moves really good in 2021. But it's again, it's just weird to see. Oh, wow. I forgot that he moved even faster than he does now. Yeah, exactly. You can say that about a lot of people on this show. But uh, see, a Prince of Darkness is over. But next, thankfully, is the. Can we skip this one? (laughs) X escape match. I just, I just don't want to talk about Shocker. X escape. You don't remember Shocker from the McDonald's commercial? I 100% remember Shocker, especially yeah. They they had to put that over. This man was in McDonald's commercial for they a year. Shut the fuck up about the McDonald's commercial. But I don't Shocker, care. <laughs> I just his TNA run was just so weird to me. Like I remember yeah. him being there, but it was just like, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember any part of it. I mean, the last pay per view I watched. Is when he debuted and he debuted under a mask basically and they did the whole dramatic he stands in the middle takes off his mask and he like who the fuck is this guy nobody knew but um i mean apparently he's he's a big guy or at least he was in a cmll 
So he's, he's a legit, you know, wrestler. But right. uh, it's funny how they were putting over the McDonald's commercial. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, his, his that was, accolades. you know what? If we're going to get him over with, with the American crowd and uh, the diabetes and stuff, we got to mention McDonald's. <laughs> I, that's what I feel like they said. I mean, that sounds like a Dusty Rhodes kind of thing. So, the, the, Baby, we got to put him over with the McDonald's crowd, baby. <laughs> Are you done? Yes, definitely. Okay. <laughs> Faster so, than Shocker's career. Okay. How dare you, sir? But so this is another match where they changed last minute. So originally it was it was an escape match. Sorry. Escape match. Escape. And escape. Yeah. X division, y'all. You got it. And um, originally there was supposed to be three winners and one loser. So it was just going to be, <laughs> you know, escape the cage and whoever doesn't escape is the loser. So yeah, like any logical person hearing that is like, okay, so who gains in this match? And you're just gonna have one guy that gets buried for no reason, right? I'm sure that's the logic, and then changing that, but who knows? And Dusty, but, uh, Dusty himself probably said that doesn't make sense. We gotta have somebody else go over, baby. Sorry. Anyways, that's that's the dusty uh, alarm. So this match is like so people think X Division. They think of like what put TNA on the map. They think of high energy. They think of supreme athleticism. And this match, I mean, it was fine. But it's just like you got Michael Shane in there. Fucking shocker. You got Sab- Chris Sabin and Sanjay Dutt who are right. both great. Can, can I just like talk good about Sanjay Dutt? He was actually Please. the reason I started looking uh, at like independence around 2002, which I know a lot of people looked at AJ Styles, but he was a guy that I like. I saw his stuff and some of the crazy, crazy stuff that he was doing. Mm-hmm. And like something made me go, holy crap, I got to follow this guy. So I don't know if I would have watched TNA uh, originally, if not for the inclusion of Sanjay Dutt, which led me to AJ Styles and all these other great mm-hmm. wrestlers. Um, but yeah, Sanjay Dutt, man, does not get enough credit um, in the grand scheme of things for being one of those guys who innovated that high flying offense. Yeah. Um, and, and I hate, you know, I hate to say, it, but I think, you know, he was in his prime before he came to TNA is really what happened. By the time he got to TNA, there were other guys who were kind of stepping up again, AJ right. Styles, other people in the X division, which we'll get to him, Elix Skipper and all these other people. Uh, mm-hmm. So he kind of got lost in the shuffle, I feel. And then of course they gave him gimmicks to make him work. But again, look at some early to search Sanjay Dutt 2002, watch some of those matches. Amazing. Yeah. And then they stick him with shocker. Is that what they do? Are they a tag team? Eventually? No, I mean, they stick him in this match. Oh, in this match. Okay. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that sounds like something that TNA would do. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, Sanjay, Dutt, he's definitely a cornerstone throughout. I mean, he was with TNA for forever. Yeah. Doesn't get enough credit. Though. Samoa Joe is about to debut and like a bunch of guys they bring in from Japan and Mexico. So yeah, he does yep. get kind of lost in the shuffle, although he is always there. So he's not lost more. So he's just kind of like in the middle. He's underrated. Um, he's kind of like that guy that just he's middle of the pack so that people don't think of him, you know? Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, the match was what it was. I didn't really understand why they were doing tags. Like, I don't understand you? why Trinity and I, I like I get the whole Michael's. Let's explain. Michael Shane is the is the legitimate cousin of, of Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong here. So obviously yep. Shawn Michaels, Michael Shane. But you know the funny part? You you know how WWE ended up basically sending him a cease and desist, saying no no Michael Shane? 
and he became oh, really? uh, Matt Bentley. Oh, you don't know I, that? Okay. I, I know he changed his name. I didn't know it was because right. of a cease and desist. It was a cease and desist, but I was always under the impression that it was basically they were like, no, it's too close to Shawn Michaels, obviously, that you're copying that. So why? So you can't use that name anymore. Come to find out, it's because there was another wrestler under the WWE umbrella named Michael Shane. You know oh, who really? it was? It was uh, one of the Shane twins that would end up becoming the Gemini with Simon Dean. <laughs> so that was news to me because yeah. I, I ended up researching it. I was like, what the hell happened to Michael Shane? Yeah. So one of the Gemini is the reason why we couldn't call this guy Michael Shane after a while. That's great. I haven't Fun thought fact. about Gemini. It's probably since I, they were on TV live. I don't think that anybody is... was thinking of Gemini even when they were on TV. No. <laughs> <laughs> great pun, though, because Gemini twins, Gemini you can ever, you explain you it catch? to me? So there's like this whole like Greek thing of like the Gemini twins, like the the Gemini twins. So it's like right. um, then the Gemini because they were with Michael. Uh, sorry, with Simon Dean. Mm-hmm. So G G Y M. We're spending too much time. This is more time than WWE <laughs> spent on their careers. <laughs> that it deserves its own podcast by itself. It actually, Gemini. So we'll do that at a later date, I guess. Oh, awesome. See, that's how that's how you get your way back into this podcast, brother. I need another payday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the match is what it is. Um, it's it's solid, but it's definitely I think I had higher expectations for it. Um, Shocker ends up eliminating Sanjay Dutt with some sort of super kick. I think I, I, I kind of forget. Um, but then yeah, Trinity I skipped this match mentally. I, I, I tuned out a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Trinity, so Tracy and Trinity are like the two females on the roster. So they're always like bickering because women. And um, well, no, no, there, there was a storyline here because remember, she was actually um, Tracy was actually uh, Michael Shane's manager. Right. So Wait, tr- Trin- Tracy was Tracy was. And then, oh, OK, Ma- OK, so so um, Michael Shane basically you know kicked her to the curb. He She came out with Trinity. Hence why Tracy came out to avenge it. Mm. Well, they Trinity and Tracy have been competing to be Dusty Rhodes' uh, assistant, right? It's a several which, month long build, which they showed that too earlier, and that's why I did a Dusty impression because they showed that. That's actually a thumbnail on the freaking Impact uh, Plus, yeah, for the pay per view. I'm like, I don't know why. Uh, that's how you know you're getting into something special, right? But yeah, Trinity was probably the probably best spot of the match is when Trinity did a moonsault it's true. from the top of the probably one of the most impressive spots of the whole night in all yeah. actuality. Um. And then Saban ends up eliminating Michael Shane with a cradle shock. And that leaves Chris Saban and Shocker. So now we're at a point. So it's an elimination match. And the final two, uh, the winner comes when uh, somebody escapes or escapes. Escapes. And uh, so Saban and Shocker climb in the cage. And uh, the door, the door, by the way, is wide open because Michael Shane's leaving. So it's like, why are these guys climbing the cage if they can just duck out of the door? But I'm nitpicking. Uh, so they climb the cage, get to the top. They're on the outside of the cage. They're fighting at the top. And then uh, Saban smashes Shocker's head on top of the cage. So Shocker falls, but he hits the floor first and wins. Thus, strapping the rocket onto Shocker. Thoughts? Classic TNA. <laughs> Classic Absolutely. TNA to have something like this happen. Because how what wrestler is that stupid? Chris Saban. Which you should have been pushing him to the moon. And what does it do for Shocker? It was like they're trying to protect Saban in a sense because they, they want to make Saban look strong. 
I but get in it. In reality, but, they made him yeah. look stupid. Right. You're trying to make him look strong as a character by not having him lose, but he loses in a, in a way that only someone who does not understand wrestling would lose. Yeah. It's, so it's like, it's classic T-Day. It was just a lapse in logic, okay? He was just, just so sitting there like, this don't make sense, baby. All right, next match. Next <laughs> match. What do we have next? Uh, yeah, let's get to a tables match, everybody. <laughs> tables and chairs. So could, could I just say right here, right? Without going into the whole spiel on it. The problem I had with lockdown, it was like it was like theme on top of theme. Yo, dog, I heard you like themes. Right. Exactly. This was the pimp my ride of the TNA pay-per-view series right here because mm. you literally have, okay, lockdown. Every match is going to be lockdown, but oh, this one's going to have a freaking Prince of Darkness hood. This one's going to have tables. This one's going to be escape the cage. It was almost like, you know, at the time when I was a teenager and I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Like looking back as, as an, a grizzled adult, I'm like, holy shit, this is just too much. I can't get into any of these matches. It was, yeah, it was definitely something they had to fine tune over the years, but I'm sure, you know, it's like several iterations of what lockdown was going to be. At first, it was going to be two cages. Now it's going to be all cage matches, and I'm sure they're backstage like, all right, baby, so it's all cage matches. Why the hell do you get to do it, and I don't get to do it? But we'll make something different, man. Just cage after cage, rage in the cage. We got to make something different. Let's print up the dark. I'm Nobody wants to see a cage, baby. They want to see some variation. You know. Okay. Yeah. That's all I got. Along those lines. My <laughs> fucking desk is soaked right now. So tables match. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're going for like a TLC thing here, which is fine. I get right. it. Jeff Hardy. Uh, Raven and Jeff Hardy this is a weird time in both of their, their careers. Uh, especially right. Jeff Hardy with like all the personal stuff he was going through at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, neither guy looked particularly like motivated. I mean, maybe that's just me watching the previous shows up to this to almost fill my fucking drink. Um, but I'm getting too excited over this tables match. It, but um, or you're getting the shakes like Jeff Hardy did during this oh, time. Getting, anyway, getting the Alabama shakes. So mm-hmm. another random just put together match just with two guys that don't have anything else going on. Uh, but the match was I, I was kind of entertained by the match. It was kind of clunky in some areas, but I mean. The, they're, they're good both of them are really good performers yeah. i mean like you said besides stuff uh in probably their personal lives here um you know they're both high high level performers um yeah. jeff hardy you know just leaving um wwe maybe two years ago um yeah this this was a match that had no business being as good as it was i found the same same yeah. thing with me i was like and it also made me kind of go back and go you know i always forget like raven how good raven was um mm-hmm. Raven doesn't get enough love, especially for his TNA run. I think pe- the thing people remember is like when he got his head scalped is, is mm, the yes. only thing people remember from his TNA run by father James mm-hmm. Mitchell. And when it legitimately, he cut him wrong and he was literally cutting his head. Hence the scalping. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, the, uh, Raven's TNA run doesn't get enough love. So, yeah, I think this, cause he did a lot of stuff with ROH too previous to this. That was really good. He had a really good feud with yeah. CM Punk over there that's probably some of the best stuff at least in my opinion that raven's ever done um although i haven't seen him in ecw so i can't really speak intelligently about oh, that yeah, I, I did and yeah yeah ecw yeah i'm, I'm sure yeah <laughs> um but yeah so it's a tables match so raven tries to spear jeff hardy through a table but misses 
goes through a table, but you have to be put through a table. Um, right. Jeff Hardy then sets up Raven on a table and goes for a swanton off the cage, which everybody knew was coming at some point, but uh, misses. So they're running out of tables here. So they take the rest of the tables, which by the way, they had a half a dozen tables in the ring. Right. Um, so Raven, Raven and the ref help set up a stack, a double stack of tables. So four tables. And uh, <laughs> I don't even know how they like maneuvered Raven on top of the, this stack. They're both climbing the cage. Uh, Jeff kind of elbows Raven so that Raven like falls on the table. Good thing it didn't crumble <laughs> or like get wobbly. Um, but then Jeff follows up by doing a leg drop off the top of the cage through all, I think, or at least most of the four tables for the win. So Jeff gets the win here. Uh, yeah, tables. How the turns have tabled. It's a good match, but like it again, it goes back to that theme of like, it's like they did so much in such little time that it almost doesn't become special. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the first match with blood. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, it, and that was something I noticed throughout the rest of the show. Yeah. So I think every blood. other match. <laughs> so much blood. Yeah. It was. And they didn't change the mat. No, they sure did not. It was uh, a crimson mask. Some may say. Some may say, but uh, the next match is the uh, we have the NWA tag team titles on the line in a strap match. But just tie so them have, up with a couple straps and then let them go in and and beat them up like government mules, baby. I'm surprised it wasn't a bull rope match. It should have been. That would have made sense. Texas it bull rope match. It would have made just as much sense as a strap match does. Well, it doesn't make sense for Canadians to be tied up like bulls. It's a good point. It's a good point. They do like getting whipped. So we have AMW, America's Most Wanted, versus Team Canada, the team of Eric Young and Petey Williams, another very underrated name, especially for his TNA run. Um, Can we talk about the fact that I, okay, they show the graphic for this match and they show Eric Young and they show A1. They did, yes. And then they go into the match and freaking Petey Williams comes out. I'm like, I love P- uh, Petey Williams, by the way. Petey Williams and the Canadian Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, A1's like come out twice during the show, is on the graphic for one match, and then never wrestles in the show. I think it was probably another last minute change. I think there's a lot of that, like, like you've been <laughs> saying, in this show. Um, we'll get to it later, but a thing that popped to me was because uh, Kevin Nash was unable to compete, but they kept him on the graphic for the match, but just put a question mark in front of him. I don't know if you caught that. Or not, but that was so I was. I definitely wasn't looking at the screen when that happened. But you uh, missed out. You I missed totally out. missed it. But I caught a one. Caught a one. Yeah, caught Alistair Ralphs. That is what's most important. That's what you needed. And can we and, talk about uh, the fact that like people forget about the fact that uh, James Storm was so over at a certain point with America's Most Wanted? People kind of reduce him to beer money, but uh, they forget early TNA. I mean, he was over like Rover with America's Most Wanted, but it seems so mm-hmm. archaic now looking back because like if you put America's Most Wanted out in the current landscape of things, they're the heels. biggest heels, the biggest yeah. heels in professional wrestling. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, they literally yeah, I mean, come out with like the blue blue line flag on uh with on Chris Harris's um stuff. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, just little things that I'm like, man, like 2021 versus 2005, you don't yeah. think things change, but then you look back on it, you're like. 
wow, this is crazy. really, you know, Canada versus America. Yeah. Yeah. Again, for the second Again, time yeah. in this show. But even more so. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> you know, AMW, I mean, you can make an argument that they're the most overt act in TNA at this point, other than maybe right. AJ Styles. Right. Um, it's true. Because, yeah, again, off of that that crazy turning point cage match, they they won that match, and that's still regarded as one of the best TNA matches of all time. Um, and they were holding down that tag division. The tag division was one of the best things about TNA at this point, and it would only get better. I mean, like, to put in perspective, and this will sound like bullshit when I say it, but they might have been, like, the young bucks of, of TNA. You know what I mean? Like, they were they were up there. They were the tag division. generation me was. Right. <laughs> I'm talking about early TNA. Okay. Um, but, you know, AMW could main event, um, you know, pay-per-views and be fine. You know, yeah. like they, they were over. And uh, that's why they, they were so there were such high expectations for Chris Harris going to WWE. And that's Not why high. everybody made fun of him when he showed up the way he did and had a, a floundering run. Because it was like, how did you fail? Yeah, he was there with Vance Archer, wasn't he? It was around the no, same time, he, I think. Eh, he was there a year before Vance Archer. Oh, OK, year. well. And all, yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, this is so it's a strap match here, but they're not strapped together. They just have some straps. <laughs> so it's like, I guess they just found some belts backstage. Because again, another last minute, it wasn't supposed to be a strap match until they announced it on this pay per view. I think they just found some belts backstage and it was like, hey, throw these in there. Uh, uh, I promise you, Dusty took it off himself. I'd take my belt, baby, and just whoop everybody in there. You know, just walk took it off stage pantsless. Yeah. As he did during wrestling events. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. So AMW Team Canada, they were like, I mean, naturally, it's like Canada versus America. So obviously they're going to be pitted against each other a lot. They had a really, really good match at a final resolution, which was a few months before this. And um, I kind of had those expectations going into this. And it was a bit of a different kind of thing because the match starts and uh, Chris Harris gets locked out of the cage. <laughs> and Can't make it up. Nope. To uh, to give A1 something to do, I guess. Because he got his tights on and his boots and he straightened his hair. So you have to give him some action. So A1 is just beating on Chris Harris on the outside while uh, James Storm is getting uh it's a handicap match essentially with a uh, PD uh PD Williams and Eric Young beating on him. And that's most of the match I feel like is just uh James Storm getting beaten on, but Chris Harris ends up getting back in the ring somehow. You want to talk about a hot tag. This was the hot enter to the ring, the hot enter to the cage. Yeah. But that's to tell you Chris Harris was the the star per se of uh America's Most Wanted. How crazy is that to think? Yeah. Now looking yeah. in 2021, like Cowboy mm -hmm. James Storm is one of the most amazing going. wrestlers out there, still going. And, you know, we got the Marty Jannetty of the group, Chris Harris. But at this time, Chris Harris was the next guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, we got, now we got both teams in there. Um, so, so Petey Williams gets powder from Scott Demore, who the manager. So Scott Demore slides in. By the way, there's like a uh, like a square in the cage for managers for, to for cameras. Shit. Technically, I guess for cameras, right? And then um, <laughs> Petey Williams gets like a, a Ziploc bag with powder, a mysterious powder, and then uh, so Petey Williams has it in his hand and he gets it knocked into his eyes, 
And uh, so he's blind. He's blind. Uh, P. Williams is looking around. We have, our, we have our, our third blind person of the night looking around, trying to find his opponent. And then he touches somebody. So he's like, oh, this is probably an opponent of mine. But he's touching his own partner. What? <laughs> oh, no what? way. How did that happen? The, the, man, it's just a comedy of errors, really. Uh, who's this guy I'm touching right now? Huh? Can we get one episode without Art Donovan? Could we, if we can go back time and get King of the Ring without Art Donovan, that's the only way I'm not doing Art Donovan impressions. <laughs> now that I have a soundboard, I'm going to like have Art Donovan ready queued up. Who's the fellow with the American flag? <laughs> it's Lex Luger, Art. But, uh, <laughs> so Peter Williams, he touches Eric Young, so he thinks that's his opponent. So he, does what anybody would do and gives a blind Canadian destroyer to his own partner. Right. So Eric Young is dead. And then uh, obviously that allows AMW to take advantage. They grab PD, give him the death sentence, which is uh, the finisher. Um, I think I've brought it up way too many times on this podcast, but the finisher <laughs> of the dicks from SmackDown back in the day, the uh, little leg drop action, the dicks, the dicks, uh, yeah, I know they were listed at five foot eight, but I don't believe that shit at all. What other podcast brings up the dicks and Gemini in one episode? Only this podcast. Only this, Only this one. podcast. The hardest listen in wrestling podcast history. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. But uh, yeah, AMW wins with the death death sentence, retains their titles and continue to carry the tag division on their back, essentially. But here we go. We find a defendant's guilty. We find a defendant. Yeah. Prime time, baby. Oh, here we are. I say my name. I literally said I wouldn't do this episode if we name. had to talk about Elix Skipper. Well, all jokes aside. Yeah. I, Elix Skipper to me is one of those athletes that like doesn't get enough love. Yeah. He was such a good um, part of late WCW when he had no business being. He was a great mm -hmm. part of TNA when he had no business being. Uh, mm -hmm. the, they didn't book him uh, to be that guy. And yet he went out there and stole the show every single time. And uh, the fact that, uh, yeah, maybe I'm spoiling the results of this match, I guess. I'm for it. <laughs> but uh, the fact that Elix Skipper is shown in every highlight of TNA history, yet mm -hmm. never got a chance with the X Division title is yeah. criminal. Absolutely criminal. And, and to me, it goes like, was Elix Skipper ahead of his time? Because I feel like if you put a guy like Elix Skipper out now, um, mm -hmm. there's no way he can't get over. There's no way he can't get a push. Yeah, no, agreed. Because when I think of Elix Skipper, like everybody, I'm sure they think of that spot walk in the cage. And I think of him as that guy that was with Christopher Daniels, but then never really amounted to anything. But as I'm watching all the impacts leading up to it, I'm like, He's not bad on the mic or anything. Like, did you see late WCW good. though? Specifically, I did not. I did okay, not. so to elaborate on that, you want to talk about good on the mic? He was up there with Ernest the Cat Miller, where in WCW, where yeah, like they were just they had no business being good on the mic, and yet he could talk. Not only could do all of the flippy shit that everybody loved, but he mm -hmm. could talk, and. You could. It, that's kind of what I'm saying is like, you can't say like, oh, you know, you can make arguments for a lot of wrestlers like, oh, this guy's not champion because he's a great athlete, but he couldn't talk. Eli Skipper had it all. 
And it's like, yeah. was it was it that he just didn't have the look they were going for? You know, I, at the time, he was a smaller guy in comparison mm-hmm. to uh, other guys of that era. And that goes back to maybe he would succeed today. Yeah, but like you said, he never even got an X Division title run, which he fits the bill for what that, that division right. entails. And I've always kind of like, I mean, I'm going to compare him to Shelton Benjamin, say what you want. I was just about to, too, actually. Straight up. Yeah, because in my head, he's like, okay, athletic guy, but can't talk. But then... He can talk. You like Skipper Ken. Right. So it's like, but there's also a thing. It's like, okay, you're athletic and you can talk, but can you have, can you get over? Can you have good wrestling matches? And there's been a lot of wrestlers that have said this over the years, but it's not about the moves. It's about the in-between stuff. Right. And as I'm watching this match between Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper, I'm wondering, is like, is that what he lacked? Because this match right. in particular wasn't, I mean, it was fine. Um, it wasn't anything to write home about, in my opinion. I mean, I think it had uh, another gear to it. If if they, I don't I know agree. if they have other matches after this or not, but um, yeah, it was a little. It was good. The crowd wasn't into it, but again, that goes to maybe their view is obstructed, and maybe they're just fatigued off of the steel cage thing at this point. But uh, yeah, I mean, the match it was pretty good. Uh, Daniels ends up winning, but uh, yeah, you look skipper man, definitely super underrated. I think super super underrated. Um, and it, Go search his uh, WCW theme song. Just th- that's all I'm gonna say. Why don't you just sing it for me instead? Prime time, baby. Prime time. I built this house. This is my house. Thanks. You want me to keep going? Absolutely not. Next match. <laughs> um, I, I will say though, because we didn't really talk about the match that much. Prime time does tease the uh, the walk the cage spot. But then yeah. ends up doing like a crossbody instead, which yep. is like everybody's expecting this crazy spot. And then they get, I mean, it's not that a crossbody off a cage isn't crazy, but it's like you set this high bar for everybody. And it's like kind he of in the wrong company, man. I tell you, man, yeah. if he had gone to developmental in WWE a little bit, I think, I think he, his star would have risen. Yeah, for sure. My opinion. Oof. But this next match, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about this one. Lethal <laughs> lockdown. AKA war games with one ring. So we have, it's a six man tag. We have Jeff Jarrett, Monty Brown and the outlaw, AKA Billy Gunn versus BG James, AKA road dog DDP and Sean Waltman. What a cast of characters. (laughs) Sean Waltman. It was definitely the, okay. If Nash and, uh, if Nash or or Hall can't make it in TNA, throw out Waltman. Yeah. He filled that role too a little bit too much. In yeah. my opinion. I agree. Um, but yeah, last minute replacement with Nash out. They replace him with BG James. So they have the whole new age outlaw uh kind of story in there. And that was kind of like really the most story out of this whole match. Right. Um but we have uh so it's like war game style. So two people start out. And then every couple minutes, somebody else from one team enters the ring. And the heels had the advantage, which was so weird. That was the craziest thing. I, I had no How, when does that ever watching. happen, though? I think almost never. Hmm. I mean, I watched War Games a few months ago, and the, the baby faces had the advantage. So they did actually. I think in the women's match, and it was like the first time ever, and I was yeah. like so weirded out by it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, speaking of weirded out, so we have Jarrett. And Sean Waltman starting out. And I literally I, was just... That was, were you sure that was Sean Waltman? Because I thought it was Chris Angel. 
<laughs> came out looking looking pretty uh, mind freakish. I liked it. I liked it. He should have stuck with this look. I think with the <laughs> the button up, the open button up, and the the flared jeans. It's good. Both knee pads Ugh. though. Knee pads over them because yeah, can't get reckless. Yeah, the the you know? rollerblade knee pads too. The ones with the little uh, little bicycle knee pads with the yeah, plastic over it. It's like he forgot he had a match, so he stopped at Walmart real quick and got some knee pads. Well, he rollerbladed the way o- his way over, and then he oh. just entered the match. That makes sense. He should have just kept them on. You can do some damage with that. Well, he did. Well, not the blades. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that would be silly. That would just make this match ridiculous, I think. No, he had to put on leather cowboy boots instead. Oh, did he? Did he have cowboy boots on? I'm assuming, I, I, because remember, he had flare jeans, so we don't know. He's not exactly the, Shawn Michaels. But the look at the time... Was, if we're talking Chris Angel and all that, the look at the time was those leathery looking cowboy boots. Oh, okay. I must have missed that era. I must have missed them. I guess it's never too late. I still got some in this closet back here. Yeah, prove it. What's Can't in that closet, it. by the way? Huh? What's My hopes, closet? dreams. A lot of other things that'll never be, uh, never come out again. Uh, okay. It's okay. We don't, need to, we don't need to look at it. We'll pretend it's not there. <laughs> So we have a 1994 Monday Night Raw to start out this match. <laughs> we have Double J and One Two Three Kid starting out this match, but then then that continues with Billy from the Smoking Guns coming out third with a trash can. So everybody comes out with a different weapon. It's fun. And this was he was shortly released. Like he was only in TNA for a, a little bit at this time, right? Um, yeah, he had just gotten there. They call him the Outlaw which obviously was a play mm-hmm. off the New Age Outlaws. But I was actually surprised to hear uh, on Impact Plus them calling him the Outlaw because they had edited this on like DVDs and stuff because WWE basically oh, really? sued. Yeah, WWE sued TNA because obviously they're like, come on, the Outlaw? Because originally well, he was the New Age Outlaw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And then they shortened it to the Outlaw and WWE still sued. They were like, all right, can't call him that. That's when he becomes uh, Kip James later mm-hmm. on. But it's edited in every TNA release thereafter. That's why I was shocked to hear The Outlaw. Right. That's, who's watching this in all reality? We're the only two people that have watched this on Impact Plus. I mean, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that turns this on, it just skips to AJ versus Abyss. and then. But we know Vince McMahon listens to this podcast, so now we're... That's true. It's just going to yeah. start a whole, a whole yeah, avalanche here. Damn it, I gotta buy that pissant company that Billy works for now. <laughs> what do you mean TNA doesn't exist anymore? <laughs> so uh so Billy comes out with a trash can. Um I, these style of matches I always kinda like tune out until everybody's in. It's too much, man. It's just too much. It's like the match isn't gonna end until everybody's in. So it's like it's like watching right. basketball. Why but why bother watching until the fourth quarter? Good actually a good way to say it. Yeah. I mean <laughs> It, it, cool like yeah there are gonna be some good spots but nobody could win yeah exactly and i mean there was some i mean no, no spots that really like blew my mind in this match that i can think of um except the fact that everybody bled yeah yeah when in doubt just add a little color make any match right. good said dusty Rhodes. and then uh ddp comes out with a kendo stick it beats up everybody with it uh and monty brown I can never talk enough about Monty Brown, how because uh, he, he had he had just recently turned heel, like in the previous pay-per-view to this. And that heel turn is pretty much the death nail on his career. It, I think it, it makes no sense. You want to talk about Elix Skipper not getting a chance. Um, 
I'll take a Monty Brown run over a Elix Skipper run any day. Monty Brown was the the biggest missed opportunity in TNA history. A hundred percent. Because he was definitely like going to be their Goldberg, like their guy. He could have, he had that in him and people will, mm-hmm. oh, what about AJ Styles? AJ Styles fit a different mold. We're talking about that legit tough guy kind of mm-hmm. superstar. You could have really molded a company around him. And he had every bit of career. He had no business being as good as he was for being as green as he was. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hear people all the time, well, he was too green. He needed this. He needed that. Sometimes when it clicks, you just got to go with it. And this mm-hmm. is one of those situations where Monty Brown could have learned on the fly. And like you yeah. said, they turned him heel. And it's like, why they turn him heel? Just so that nobody wants to see him against Jeff Jarrett? Just for the sake of a swerve. Just for the sake of a reaction. You know, and and it, it made no sense. It just made no sense. Yeah, because Goldberg is a really good comparison because they're both similar backgrounds, both former football, football players, players that man. just came into wrestling and were immediately in a had a, had a big stage. And but even more so than Goldberg, because he just he he had like a, almost like that rock kind of quality to him where the man yeah. could talk and he had aggression. But, you know, he just got these little nuances like when, you know, the whole rubbing the the, the head on the turnbuckle. Right. Yeah. He had this swagger to him. And it was just like. How do you not run with this guy? A guy I tuned in to TNA for. Yeah, he was definitely, we were talking about how AMW and AJ were the most over, but Monty Brown was probably even, probably higher, a level above them a couple months ago. Now that he's just mm-hmm. a lackey for Jeff Jarrett. And he was, he's in that position for almost the entirety of the rest of his TNA run. I know yeah. for at least like a year or so, which is insane. Which is, which is why I, when he signed with WWE, I was so happy because I was like, oh, WWE's going to, gonna get it like they're gonna understand that they have to do it with this guy mm-hmm. and arguably they might have but then obviously you know his sister passing and him having to take care of his kids and uh, her kids and retire yeah we'll never know but i feel like they would have run with him yeah. my opinion it was just bad timing if he had gone to wwe earlier for mm-hmm. sure he would have been absolutely huge. um so monty brown comes out here with a baseball bat i don't know why i don't have him with like a uh football or something i don't know what can we also talk that these guys are coming out with weapons because it's a lethal lockdown so they're apparently i don't know if they ever explained that everybody was going to come out with a weapon did they ever like flat out say that but that's literally what's happening is every guy's coming out with a weapon monty brown comes out with a baseball bat and like i don't know again nitpicking i'm kind of like you with some things where i just go why he -hmm. comes out with the baseball bat with sledgehammer style triple h sledgehammer style he just starts hitting like this and I'm like, no person in their right mind is yeah. going to jab somebody with a baseball bat. You're going to swing. Well, he's a football player. He doesn't know how to swing a baseball but bat, I think. it doesn't help that Jeff Jarrett takes the Singapore cane two seconds later. Mm-hmm. Or the kendo stick, whatever you want to call it. It just starts swinging. So yeah. it did it beat being DDP's ass. It didn't help it. To me, it was like one of those little nuances in wrestling where, or not nuances, but one of those little quirks um, where I'm just like, if you got a baseball bat swing, I'd rather you get a fake bat and swing than to have a real bat and uh, and just be jabbing people with it. Right. Well, Sting yeah. gets there in a few months, so maybe they'll all learn at that point. Right. <laughs> um, but it was funny because like in, pre- in later years, the lethal lockdown is it's all about the the ceiling to it. And the, the ceiling like kind of comes down and the weapons are hanging, which was from great. the. Uh, yeah, that's when it, got, it was still like cartoony yeah. and hilarious, but it was very entertaining. Yeah, it was definitely a dusty type thing, though. You know what I mean? Kind of thinking yeah. like the uh, what's that match with Abdullah? 
Oh my oh. god. The uh, Halloween Havoc cage match. I don't remember. It had a specific name to it, but yeah, uh, I know. It just reminded about. me of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So Monty Brown comes out. BG James comes out with a uh, a baking pan, I believe. But this whole time, remember they're 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 saying like, "Oh, who's gonna come out? Is anybody gonna come out?" Remember the huge question mark over Kevin Kevin Nash here. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. like, "Who's coming out? What's going on? We don't even know. Someone's gonna come out." And then BG James. Yeah. <laughs> Because I saw, because I forgot that Kevin Nash was out of this match. And then I was like, man, who, are they going to debut somebody here? I was like thinking in my mind who was in TNA at this time. And it's just, it's BG James. It's cool. Um, but it, it was cool seeing the new New Age Outlaw kind of interactions. In and this the roadie. Match. The roadie and Double J. Yes. Very, very true. See the connection? A lot of webs. You got X-Pac in there. It's all, it's all a thing. DX versus, you know. I mean, it's it's all coming together. Yeah, like it you all. literally have half a DX in this in the ring at this time. <laughs> that is TNA in a nutshell, <laughs> right? God, man. But uh, actually, no. There was one spot in this match that popped me big. I popped a hard chub for this one. Monty Brown is about to get Irish whipped by two people. I think it's DDP and Waltman, but mm-hmm. he reverses it, throws them in the opposite direction, throws them both. And hits both of them with a with pounce. A pounce. I. You know what's funny? As much pounce! as. Pounce. <laughs> Sorry. What's up? Pounce! I can't do it. I used to be able to. They're the like pounce. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! I don't know how he did that. Like every night. I don't know. But it's funny you said it. You don't. You popped a hard chub for this one because what I didn't remember when watching it was I. Uh, I, I definitely went back and watched it again. Yeah. I hit replay as soon as it happened because I was like, holy shit. But it, looks it, goes back to, it looks smooth. The six-sided ring definitely was like made for the pounce. The pounce yeah. never yeah. looked as good in a four-sided ring. And I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a traditionalist. I like the four-sided ring. But the impact, no pun intended, that the pounce had uh, in the six-sided ring, put it put Monty Brown over. Um, yeah. And it was... Again, you that spot was literally like, how did you not run with this guy? Yeah. I mean, that move is the same thing as a Goldberg spear and jackhammer, or even like a mm-hmm. Canadian destroyer. Like that can be your whole character and people will love it every time. But he had so much I, I want to see somebody kind of bust that move out again because it, it needed more love. Well, Lance Archer does it nowadays. He which does, because but those two are good friends. He does, but Lance Archer is not the guy to do it, if that makes sense. You need somebody a little yeah. bit more explosive with that like crazy phonetic energy. Because uh-huh. didn't, Mo- didn't Mojo Raleigh do that shit too? Which kind of made did. sense actually for his character, but he didn't do it too well. Titus but, O'Neil like, also did it. Titus O'Neil did it. But again, Titus O'Neil doesn't fit the mold. Believe it or not, and I hate him by the way, but Mojo Raleigh fits the, the build perfectly for the pounce. Yeah. Um, but obviously just wasn't Monty Brown. Mojo, so right. you know, it happens. Small Mojo Raleigh, yeah. Yeah, small Mojo Raleigh. So Pounce is all around. Um, but then out of nowhere, uh one, two, three kid pins Monty Brown with a, a victory roll out of nowhere, which they actually botched. They botched, so think, yeah. Yeah, they had to like redo it. Basically, Monty Brown had Waltman and he like threw him up on his shoulders, but there was some like in the spin of it all, Waltman slipped or something slipped. So they literally just redid it. And then, uh, so Waltman counters 
this uh, move with a victory roll and the baby faces win. But even the commentators were like, what the hell just happened? Kind of. Did he get it? Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah, he did. Because the music hits and they're like, oh, yeah, he did get it. So um, not only was it a rough watch uh, in general, but it just it got botched at the end. So, yeah, rough. it wasn't. I mean, it felt short. And, and at least like as far as what I was expecting, at least it didn't feel like a, they dragged too much. No, I agree in my with opinion. that. Especially like I think it was only like two minute intervals between people, which is pretty mm-hmm. nice. Um, it wasn't like a, a, trid- a war games you see nowadays. It's like an hour fucking long. But it also wasn't the main event, too. So it's kind of like they, they knew what they knew not to make it drag out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And a DDP, I think he le- I think a lot of these. Or maybe it's just DDP. I think he leaves like after this pay-per-view pretty soon after this. I don't even remember DDP and TNA a lot, really, until I, I did all these watch throughs. But uh, man, what could have been? I did because it was like he had retired in uh, 2002 uh, yeah. from an insurance policy thing. You know, that in, his insurance company basically said, you keep wrestling after this injury. We won't assure you. And uh, oh, so he Lloyd's retired. Of London? Lloyd's of London policy. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And um, he retired, but then he quietly came back to TNA. And I don't know if that was because maybe it was like nobody hey, is going to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I wanted to say. Like, hey, he kind of, you know, keep it under the radar. But that's mm-hmm. why it always felt like he was just kind of like there for a cup of coffee just for a little bit. And then he left. Mm-hmm. Maybe right. that's how he got away with the uh, Nirvana ripoff theme song. <laughs> but actually, like the exact same. Actually, people don't realize like you hear it in this event. They, he had a complete ripoff of Nirvana at first, and then they must have something must have been said because it, go watch Lockdown. He uses you know the second version, which was like different chords. Yeah, yeah. So he had a, a second version in in TNA, but uh, yeah, that first version just literally smells like Teen Spirit, <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Damn it! You know I didn't see that coming, and I really am pissed off right now. You know, I wasn't sure if you were going to understand the reference, so I couldn't commit to it. Well, I did it in post. Don't worry. I didn't have I didn't wipe my teeth before it. You have That's the facial hair for you it, though, actually. You didn't put the uh, the pagisms into it. Oh. I need to kind of just like. <laughs> I can't, Your can't camera really shook while you did that, so it was like the magnitude <laughs> of it all. <laughs> oh, God. It's because I hit my table. <laughs> It hurt. Dick at the table. Yep. So what we got now? So the main event. So this was, I might've even said this to you when I first brought this up. This was like the only match that I remember from this show. And for good reason, in in hindsight, after watching the entirety of the show, Mm -hmm. is a number one contenders match uh, to be the number one contender for the NWA world title. AJ Styles versus Abyss. It is a uh, a rehash of what we saw on SmackDown a few months ago with uh, the, the statistician. That was the first thing I thought when I saw Me Joseph Clark. It was kind of one of those things where it was like, I can't believe that these two guys, like, it, it's just so weird to think yeah. of the departure from here where it, it was the Monster Abyss versus the phenomenal AJ Styles. Yeah. And um, the fact that, like, AJ Styles couldn't speak a freaking lick. Like he was so hokey at this time where they showed the thing with Abyss inside the truck or whatever, and he's doing mm-hmm. his little pose, and AJ goes, I'm I'm not scared of you. And that was like literally his like 
big moment and for Abyss to attack him and stuff like that. To think how good a, a talker AJ Styles has become, uh, it's amazing. And then not only that, but you're like, wait, this guy, Abyss, is his statistician Joseph Park. Right. You know, it's so <laughs> it's so weird uh, to think, you know, almost yeah. 20 years later. It's so funny. Um, and this is another match where there's like a lot of very clippable, like iconic moments that happened in this match. That first, um, the first thing AJ Styles does. The flip, Amazing. the tope. So yeah. AJ's in the ring. Abyss makes his entrance. He's about to get into the cage. The, the, the door is open. AJ immediately does a tope over the top rope onto Abyss. Just really got this match off hot from right up, right at the get go. And, and they sell it. They sell it. But they, the fact that like you don't realize it because you're just like, oh, that's cool. But literally, there's a rope and a couple feet in between yeah. where the cage is. And the man has to dive through it. But not only dive through it, not clip it with his feet and then flip. Mm-hmm. And this was AJ Styles in his athletic prime. 100%. Yeah. The barricade spot was right after, which I'm sure you're about to talk about. Yeah, he uh, he gets whipped into the barricade, but AJ slides under the barricade, which is like, like how there's so how little do, margin of error. So smooth, too. But yeah. the fact that, the again, the, you've been to wrestling events and, and anybody listening out there, there's not, like you said, the margin margin of error here is, my God, like literally you're, you, he had to touch the barricade on the way in. So yeah. definitely clipped his ass on, on the way in. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. It's just so such a small space. But he does it so smooth and yeah. doesn't clip anybody in the front row. No, it's just like the, the balls you have to have to be able to say, like, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this work. I'm not going to hurt myself and I'm not going to hit anybody in the crowd. Yeah, because imagine, I mean, say you mess that up. Like, how dumb do you look? <laughs> you just go like tooth right. first into the barricade. Right. It, it, it would be a hard spot. Like you would hit concrete. And you might yeah. take out little Jimmy in the front row. That damn little Jimmy, man. You know, it's Always funny. I used to way. say little Jimmy, like, like, I think we all did, you know, before our truth made mm-hmm. that a character. So when I say little Jimmy, I don't think of our truth. I just think of yeah. like little kid in the front row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's all in the crowd. He, that, that spot where he does the forearm from the like little scaffolding, little mm-hmm. bit, like ledge area. That's like a thing that's always like when you see like a highlight package of TNA, you always see that spot. Yep. of AJ doing the forearm from the crowd. Just like a great visual. Very, very good visual. But then they eventually get in the ring. They fight on the outside for a good amount here. They get in the ring and AJ pretty much, or uh, Abyss pretty much dominates a lot in the beginning. Uh, AJ kind of fights back with a, a flurry, a really impressive German suplex. You forget how strong this dude is. Um, it looked amazing too. Like you could see he was strong because he, this was the best. Again, I forgot how good of shape AJ Styles was in back mm-hmm. in the day. Again, to tell people AJ Styles, it's almost like it's weird when you t- look at his career. There was a point where he was in his athletic prime, and there was a point where he was in his, um, his talking prime where he is now. Yeah. Psychology prime. Psychology and, and talking exactly what, mm-hmm. what I was thinking. Psychology. So he never put the, he never had both at the same time. There was a yeah. brief period in New Japan where you can argue he was still in his, his athletic prime. But what I'm saying is like, I, I, man, like looking back, we all wanted AJ Styles in WWE, right? Back mm-hmm. then, right? He would have failed. Yeah. He, he would have. Elix Skipper would have done better in WWE than him in 2005. And this mm-hmm. match reminded me of it because it was just like, oh, this guy's amazing. 
but he's not understanding the psychology of it. And he's also, I don't believe him when he talks, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very like, I don't know, because I don't know why I thought about this, but Frankie Kazarian actually had just recently yeah. left TNA at this point, which I didn't know till recently. You didn't know was, that. I, think, I, I saw him on Velocity at the time, and right. I thought he was going to, I was like, holy crap, this is our guy. I mean, they were touting him as the future. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, because that's a similar, I think that's pretty much the spot AJ would have been. He would have been on Velocity. He would have right. been that guy. He would have been Mr. Velocity, which is pretty much what Kazarian ended up being in WWE until he came back. Do you know why Kazarian um, left WWE? You ever hear that story? It's so stupid, but Maybe. it's true. Remind uh, me. They, they wanted him, think, think Vance Archer, what we were talking about earlier with Lance Hoyt. Mm-hmm. They wanted him to cut his hair. And he said, no, absolutely I, not. You know what? Yeah, because I, I did hear that brought up recently because he ended up fucking cutting his hair anyways. Like, it just gets just age, you know? Right, but, right. Um, but we, it's, it's weird to think, man. Kazarian could have actually been something. Who knows what they would have done with him. I think he'd yeah. have gone in the cruiserweight division, though, arguably. He could have had a solid run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this match. So AJ starts to fight back, um, gets hit with a black hole slam, kicks out of it. Uh, which, by the way, we're talking about AJ a lot, but Abyss is fucking great in this time period. Phenomenal. No pun intended. Yeah. He gets like a lot of shit for being like kind of like a blend of Undertaker, Kane, Mankind. But he kind of he matter. always found a way to put his own spin on it. And he yeah. was so talented in the ring. Yeah, and that's why that's why I get mad at TNA because you had AJ Styles, you had America's Most Wanted, you had Monty Brown, you had Abyss, and it's like yet yeah, I, I don't understand how you misused these guys. No, you got and, well because DDP's got a couple line, Sean Waltman, Outlaw, all these guys get that. That's what people argue, want to see. Arguably, and maybe I'll get heat for saying this, but TNA had a better up and coming roster than AEW has currently. That's reasonable. And AEW is doing more with what they have, but like TNA had it right in front of them and they would not pull the trigger on some of these guys. Yeah. No, yes. Because this is before like like Sting, Christian, Kurt Angle. This is a lot of homegrown talent I mean, other than like the the last match really, but... We won't talk about it. We don't talk about that. That doesn't happen. We don't talk about old shit on this podcast. Right. Um, The future. Frankie Gazira. The future. <laughs> so good. So uh, Abyss whips out a bag of tacks as per usual, um, goes to uh, slam AJ into it, but AJ fights out and hits a Styles Clash onto Abyss, onto the tacks, which... How strong? Wanna, How strong is he? He's, he's a strong crap. lad, a strong lad. The nitpicker in me wants to be like, Abyss is wearing a shirt, but, you know... And a mask, <laughs> but <laughs> it is what it is. I'll, I'll appreciate the and visual the for what it is. scars of his childhood, though. He's also wearing that. Oh, that's what the mask is. It's not yeah, a right. physical. I think that's actually right. what it is. It's an emotional it's an mask. Around. Yeah, that was the whole thing with Kane. because I know. He wasn't actually he was burned. He was, oh, he was the second. He was the evolution. Correct. Wait, Abyss then, was never uh, an evolution, you mark? Uh, oh, I, I get him and Mark Jindrak mixed up. It's a thing I do. Understandable. Um, but then AJ, <laughs> what's this podcast evolved into, guys? We've talked. We've we brought Mark Jindrak, Jim, and I, and fucking the dicks. Fucking Love the it. dicks. I shouldn't have put fucking in front of that. <laughs> um, fucking the dicks. <laughs> that's just a soundbite that exists. 
in the world. <laughs> I can't run for office. They're just going to play that clip. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking the dicks. Fucking the dicks. Uh, so yeah, Styles clash into the tax, but Abyss kicks out of it unbelievably. Um, so AJ goes to climb on top of the cage, presumably to do some sort of uh, attack off the top of the cage. But Abyss, I, I love this spot. Abyss grabs the referee by the throat and just mm-hmm. fucking chucks him into the cage wall. It just like made him look like a savage. And that poor referee, man, that was a, a gnarly bump. It was. Then uh, AJ, AJ, I feel, took a really weird one after this, too. Not a bump, but like a weird spot. I like feel like you can't do it. The chain on top on top of the cage. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. That's a rough ski. That's a rough ski. Yeah. Um. So AJ's crotched. Just order a pizza. Is that your ring? Is that your doorbell? I, I don't want to tell you. That's my that's my friend who cuts my hair. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. So AJ's crotched on top of the cage. Abyss grabs the steel chain that is in the ring somehow. And wraps it around AJ's throat and then pushes AJ so that he's hanging from the cage by his neck, wrapped around a steel chain. Rough. And I feel like you wouldn't you wouldn't do that spot today. Two and a half years from now, or for from then, they wouldn't Damn they right. wouldn't do this. Uh Chris Benoit. I mean, oh, Jesus. Because this is 05. I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say. Daniel Bryan got fired for choking. Uh, right. Yeah. Freaking, yeah. It would have uh, been the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Roberts. Crazy. But um, but AJ fights back. And eventually hits a sunset flip powerbomb onto Abyss again onto the tax tax and <laughs> tax. And that gives him the win. AJ wins and is now the number one contender for the NWA world title. Uh, great fucking match. Definitely my favorite match on the card. One of my favorite TNA matches, really, of all time, I think. What'd you think of it? Um, amazing pay-per-view, but I mean, amazing match in this pay-per-view, but I didn't realize how rough this pay-per-view was. Because I, I always either. just thought lockdowns were good. But like you said, it seems like this one, they were really hammering some stuff out. And mm-hmm. uh, they got it together by the next year. Um but yeah, overall, I mean, it was a fun watch, but I didn't realize how like, I don't know, like even the graphics were a little hokey. I didn't realize, like yeah. you look back on things and then you go, I didn't remember it being like this. Because at the time you were just like, this is awesome. The alternative to WWE. And then looking back, I'm like, oh, okay. It was really like, you know, people shit on Russo. But once Russo got there is when they really kind of went to a different level. Right. I mean, just like in how everything was structured in the show. Like like I said, the graphics my favorite one was the uh, the Christopher Daniels promo, like the video package. It ended with him like looking up and then it just like went black and white. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Yep. No, absolutely do. Absolutely do. Where they did the still image. I, it's still image yeah. with the like turn the background black and white kind of thing. And yeah, I was like, oh, man, because I remember making videos at the time doing similar effects. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that was definitely a sign of the times, you know, it was. But uh, yeah, like like you, man, I had higher hopes for this show, like just like looking at the card. It was a fun watch. I mean, watching old TNA is always at least like entertaining just from a time capsule like point of view. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, lockdown is still this is their first one. So right. 
over the years, they would kind of iron out how they did things. But uh, overall, a fun watch and a great main event. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Got any main more, event uh, made nuggets? up for it. Definitely. And uh, if if you've gotten one thing from this podcast episode, watch some Elix Skipper matches. Just just watch the best of Elix Skipper instead of this. Right. And definitely don't Google Gemini. Uh, don't Google <laughs> future Frankie Kazarian Velocity. Mm. And uh, don't Google the dicks. Definitely don't Google fucking the dicks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fuck you. Google the dicks. Um, but speaking <laughs> of dicks... Sorry. That's all I got. Hold on. Speaking of dicks... It always does it more than I... God damn it. It's on like a loop. I, I should just keep doing my dust impression then because that's the dustest sound, baby. Hold on, hold on. I had a joke that I was going to start out with this pod, this podcast with. Uh, so pretend that this is at the beginning. Okay. Um, and then make sure to laugh really hard. I will. <laughs> yeah, so uh, TNA lockdown is crazy watching this, you know, during the quarantine because we're like locked down and stuff, right? <laughs> hey, I told you that on Twitter. Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I was I said it feels like a fucking rib to be watching a pay-per-view called Lockdown during quarantine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, steal that shit. It is such a rib. <laughs> I'm but forced to watch Elix Skipper during quarantine. You're welcome. Prime you're welcome. time. I blessed you. I it's watched prime it at time, prime baby. time, actually. I watched it about 8 p.m. Uh, did last you, did night. You do that on purpose? Yeah, no, I've just thought about it. I watched it at prime time, baby. You just had a little chuckle to yourself. I'm confined to this time. house. This is my house. Oh. Y'all just know who bought this house. Kenny did. Kenny did. I think that's a great way to end the episode. <laughs> well, if you like that singing, everybody, you can check out Kenny on the a Kenny for Your Thoughts podcast with his co-host, Brandon. Why don't you uh, tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, you can find us anywhere you stream your uh, your podcast. So, you know, Spotify. Um, I was going to say Google Play, but they don't exist anymore. Anywhere you stream your audio podcast. But definitely check us out if you want to see us live. Uh, YouTube, usually 10 p.m. on Friday nights. Uh, Kyle will join the chat sometimes, except when he's trying to pay attention to his significant other. And I say, you're picking your significant other over me. I give her one day a year. Right. Yeah. yeah. You want to talk about being a dick? Nah. Here it is. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Friday nights, 10 PM, the live chats, probably one of the most li fun live chats, um, I've seen in, yeah. in, on wrestling podcasts. And the only reason I do it live, because if I didn't have that chat, it would not be, I, I wouldn't do this. The interaction itself is, is so much fun. Yeah. Um, but, but going back to it again, you can find us anywhere. You can find us uh, on social media at AKFYT wrestling on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, MySpace, Zanga, um, AOL chat. The fuck is Zanga? You know what Zanga is? It's like is a that our journal. age gap? Yeah, maybe a couple years. 2005 okay. actually was when it was popular. So I would have been writing a Zanga about lockdown. Uh, AJ was, Styles, uh, oh my God, so hot. L -l 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 -l. Wish he was inside my cage. This is the same person you are now. Why are you pretending like that's an archaic thing? You're right. But I've devolved is why I've devolved oh. back into who I was around the Zanga time period. Right. Now you don't type it. You just right. say it. Right. You spew it exactly. into a microphone. Right. You think it's back in those in that closet there? No. No. Nope. All out in the it's open. Right here. 
<laughs> but thank well, you for having me, Kyle. I, yes. I definitely appreciate it. It's always fun. Uh, at this point, I should uh, replace Brandon with you on my podcast because I love talking to you. Well, he's more handsome than me, so I get it. You have to That's bring the female true. listeners in somehow, you know? Uh, it's true. That smooth yeah. baritone voice of his. Mm. Uh, I mean, uh... that's how he sounds. So once <laughs> again, real, thank you to Kenneth from the uh, Kenny for your thoughts podcast for joining me on this splendiferous episode of some good old fashioned tits and ass. Once again, you can find his podcast, a Kenny for your thoughts on uh, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts, Find him on social media at AKFYT Wrestling. All of that jazz in the description. And I should mention, because I think I forgot to mention in the intro, but there will also be a video version of this podcast on YouTube. Uh, either the day of or the day after. Whenever, uh, whenever you know, my whatever way my dick flops that day. You know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> it's an unnecessary vulgarity. But yes, we um, did a little test run with the uh, program I use and their video feature. So I will be including that on YouTube. You can see our handsome mugs as we talk about Michael Shane and Sanjay Dutt. So go enjoy that. I will. Uh, I plan to uh, start bringing in more like YouTube exclusive stuff, more video based stuff uh, to go along with my normal episode. So keep an eye out for that and subscribe to my YouTube if you have not already. So uh, or don't, you know, if you just want to be a jack off. So anyways, <laughs> just kidding, kind of. But yes, thank you all for listening once again. I love you. Love you long time. I'm hard.